Wow, what a powerful drama, amen? I've seen that drama several times, and each time I do, uh, just really, uh, just really touches your heart, doesn't it? Um, I think that's probably true for most of us. You know, you see something like that, and, and uh, just to see visually, really my life. How about you? Just my life of the struggles and the pain and the choices and the difficulty. Then to realize that there is a God. That He cares for us. And that He would be willing to stand in the gap on our behalf and fight off all that would destroy us. That's really, I believe, what it's all about. Really, the message that God wants to give to us. And I think many people are hungry for that. Many of us have a sense that, that God does want to work in our lives. But you know, I think, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I think if I wanted to know, well, well, how do I have a relationship with God? Or how would I find His purpose for my life? How would I get involved in making a difference in this world and helping other people? How would I do that? Where would you go if you had those questions? Where would you go if you were wondering about God? Where would you go? Okay, the Bible's a good one, right? I think many of us would probably at first go to church, wouldn't we? Many of us have gotten to points in our lives where we had those questions about God. And we said, you know what? The, the place that you need to go, you go to church. That's where you get the answers about God. But unfortunately, many of us, our story is we went to church, but we didn't find much of God there. Isn't that true? Isn't that sad? Many times we go to church and the message is something that we say, you know what? I don't... It must be in a different language. I mean, I don't know what they're talking about, but it doesn't have anything to do with my life. And if it doesn't have anything to do with my life, then how am I supposed to take that home and live it? Many of us go to church, and it seems like there's a group of people that maybe are well-meaning, but it seems like they're living 50 years back somewhere, or 100 years back. It seems like a, a different time frame that they're trying to live in. And, and that's not the world that I live in. So, hey, I'm looking for God, but you're not really... Speaking my language, sometimes we've gone to church and we were truly open to God, but what we found was a little bit of judgment, amen? A little bit of condemnation, a little bit of such high expectations, and even to say, you know what, you've got to be perfect if you're going to be around God and around His stuff. I just want to share with you, if you're here tonight, I want to say, first of all, I apologize on behalf of all God's people, if God's ever been misrepresented, and He has, by a group of people called a church, whether it's this church or any other church, because that wasn't God. That wasn't Him that you were seeing. That was people, and people are sinners. This room's full of a lot of messed up people. Amen, church family? And so you saw people. But I, I want to say this to you. If you're here tonight and you say, you know, I've tried church before, but I said I'm going to give it one more shot. I want to encourage you tonight, because that took a lot of guts. It takes a lot to step out and say, I'm going to open up my heart again. I just want to say to you, I hope that what you find here at New Hope, if you're a guest here tonight, maybe you haven't been to church in years, maybe you've never been in your life, that God would just encourage you through us that there is hope for someone like you because there's hope for someone like me. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for just already, uh, as we've worshipped you together tonight, just reminding us that we are so valuable to You, that You would be willing to send Your precious Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. That He would die on a cross, cruelly, His body disfigured and maimed and marred, 
to the point of not even being able to be recognized. But much more than that, spiritually, receiving the punishment that I deserve for all that I've done wrong. Father, it's an incredible story, but it's true. We thank You that it's good news tonight, that God cares, and God comes if we'll open up our heart to You. Father, I pray for us tonight, whether it is someone who's here for the very first time or whether someone's been here for ten years, but tonight's the night You've got for each one of us to hear Your message. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've uh, ever thought about the meaning behind holidays before. Um, when we think of a holiday, we think about what? What do you think about when you think about a holiday? What do you think about? Okay, you think about Christmas, you think about specific holidays. But, but what do we do on holidays? We eat, okay. Hey, number one, hey, you guys like working? Okay, I'd like to say off work, amen? That's a good one, right? We're off work, kids, can we give one for out of school, amen? Okay, everybody's off for that. So holidays are about being off work, they're about being out of school. Somebody said family, you know, having special meals. Maybe there's some special symbols involved. You give presents or you wear green or you hunt eggs or all those kind of things. But have you ever thought about, have you ever noticed, have you ever had a holiday where you thought to yourself, you know, I really honestly don't know what this holiday is about. I mean, we're out of school and we're going to have fun and we're going to have a meal together and all that's great. But I was thinking about that actually just this past St. Patrick's Day. Why do we have like this green holiday? In fact, I was kind of upset because I came downstairs to start the day and somebody pinched me. And I was like, look, look, I don't have any green to wear, okay? I wasn't thinking about that. Who started this holiday, right? I mean, that's just wrong. Well, I found out that there was a guy named Patrick. There was a guy that now we call St. Patrick and his dad, apparently, uh, from sources, many sources say that uh, his dad was a deacon in a church. His granddad was a priest in a church. When he was about 16 years old, he got kidnapped by some uh, raiders, some Irish raiders, some some raiders that were from Ireland. And so according to the story that uh, he stayed there for about six years, and while he was there, he found the Lord. Uh, He gave his life to Jesus. And so uh, he, he believed that God had spoken to him about, hey, you need to escape from this place. You need to go back to your home. So sure enough, he escaped from there. He went back to his home. But then Over the process of time, he felt like that God had called him to go back to Ireland and share the good news about Jesus. And so, uh, apparently, the story is that's what he did. And and actually, my understanding is he took a three-leaf clover, and he used that as an example of the Trinity, and explained, that's why we have shamrocks, okay? You following? All right. And and apparently, Patrick died on March the 17th, and so we celebrate... St. Patrick's Day, you know, in March. And, and during that time, now as we look back at this man who's uh, a great example of what it means for your life to be changed and for you to go share Christ. Apparently, in his six years there, the story is that he, that he, that he led thousands, thousands of people to the Lord that came to know the Lord throughout Ireland. And so we see this guy, we see on his, on his I guess not his birthday, his death day, but on the day that he died, people celebrate that, they think about it, and uh, they uh, go to church, some people go to church uh, during that day, other people uh, sort of develop this tradition where that's during Lent, and so you can kind of be off from fasting, and so you can eat that day, and unfortunately some people have taken the drinking restrictions off, and so... St. Patrick's Day actually has become synonymous with, you know, drinking a few beers. That's what a lot of people think it's all about. But I didn't know all that, did you? I didn't know that this guy named Patrick was supposedly a follower of Jesus and 
Now, I don't know where all the green, you know, I don't know where all the, you know, the, well, I guess the shamrocks and all that kind of stuff, we developed that over time. The pinching, that's just wrong. I mean, if somebody knows where that developed, then I say we outlaw that from now on. But listen, did you know that many times holidays have special meanings? They have actually spiritual and religious meaning. Have you ever thought about it? Think about it. Saint Valentine's. I know a little bit about his story. We'll save that for another day. St. Patrick's. Even Santa Claus is Dutch for St. Nicholas. That's why we call them holy days. Or we call them what? Holidays. These are special days. Now, many times, again, we're thinking about for Easter... You know, you, you buy some nice clothes, we buy new clothes. We're glad the sun's out around here, amen? I mean, we're glad that, actually, I think Easter's going to be a great weekend. Tonight was a great way to get started. Tomorrow's going to be a pretty day. You think about spring coming, you think about going to your parents, your grandparents, you think about hunting Easter eggs or Easter bunny or Easter basket, all those kind of things. But we need to make sure that in the midst of all that, we don't miss out on the most important holiday of them all and the impact that God gave it to us for to have on our lives I think you see that in the drama that was just presented but I want to bring that a little out a little bit more as we study God's word together tonight I want to talk with you about let's think about why do we celebrate Easter isn't that a good thing to think of I mean not just to go through the motions but why are we doing this why do we get dressed up why do we come to church why are we doing those kind of things There are a lot of things that really happen as you read God's Word in that week leading up to what we're celebrating this weekend. In fact, many of you have been to services this week during what we call what? What do we call this week? Holy Week. Some of you have been to some different church services. In fact, this past week on Thursday, we had a Monday Thursday service, a beautiful, wonderful time to worship the Lord together. But tonight, we're going to focus on really the most important aspects of Easter. And the first one is pertaining to the cross. What is it that the cross is for us to learn about from God? First of all, the cross tells us that God cares. The cross tells us, listen, no doubt all of us at some point in our lives have asked that question. Does God really care about my life? You ever wondered that before? Does God see my life? Does, it, does God see what I'm, what's going on with me, what I'm going through? But friend, listen, when you look at the cross, there can be no doubt ever again that God cares for us more than we ever imagined. I want you to write down Matthew chapter 26 through 27. You can go back. There's a whole section of Scripture that talks about the last week of Christ and specifically this weekend that we celebrate the resurrection and everything that happened. But as you read Matthew 26 through 27, I'm just going to kind of summarize it because we can't read it all here together tonight. But you'll see on Thursday night, Jesus had a final meal, a, a final dinner with His disciples. What do we call that? The Last Supper, that's what we call that. It was the last meal that he was going to have with his disciples, with the closest of his friends. And in fact, he was having that knowing that one of those guys was going to do what? Was going to betray him and turn him over falsely to authorities that very night. We see Jesus in that passage being in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane as he anticipates the cross. Don't forget that Jesus came fully human, but he never ceased to be fully God. 
And so he knew exactly where that night was going to end, and he knew in the garden what he was anticipating was going to happen on the cross. Then we see, as, uh, as he's there with his disciples, we see them, first of all, letting him down. You ever had a moment when you just needed somebody to hang with you for just a minute? And he says, Jesus says he told his disciples to come and be with him, and every time he slipped away, what were they doing? They were asleep. They went to sleep at his greatest hour of need. And we see him falsely accused. We see him arrested. We see him at least twice appear in court. We see him, listen, spat upon and beaten. The Bible says specifically with fists and slapped in the face and in the head with a stick. Wow. The Bible says he was mocked by his accusers. He was abandoned by his friends, when, again, when, they, when he needed them the most. And the crowd chose, Pilate really didn't want to, you can read the story, Pilate really didn't want to send him to the cross. He tried to find every way he could. His wife warned him, man, amen, listen to your wife. His wife warned him, but Pilate, he asked the crowd, he says, okay, it's the custom for me to let one person go, so should it be Jesus or should it be Barabbas, who, by the way, we find out in the Gospels, was a murderer and a troublemaker. And the crowd said, we'd rather release Barabbas We'd rather Jesus be crucified. And then in Matthew 27, verse 26, it says this. It's always amazed me how brief this scripture is. Listen to it. In Matthew 27, verse 26, it says, After having Jesus scourged, he, Pilate, handed him over to be crucified. I've got to be honest with you, this week I struggle with this part of the message. And rightfully so. Because I wanted to paint, to the best of my ability, a picture for us. Because if we're not careful, we read this story, and it's just a story. It's about a man, and it's about God, and he, and he did this, and it was way back when, and it just seems like a story in our head that doesn't come down to real life. And so I went back, and I looked at some of the pictures. Some of you have seen The Passion of the Christ. So far, I've only been able to see it twice. And I kind of regretted watching it the second time. I went and looked online at some of the pictures of the Passion. And I really wanted to put those on the screen tonight. But i got to tell you, I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I honestly, as I was preparing for this message, and I was looking at that depiction of Christ. There's something about pictures, isn't there? And, and as I saw that picture, that depiction of Christ and what He went through, and I believe the Passion comes as close as anything we've ever seen in terms of you know, being able to portray that. And that's why it's so gory to us. That's why we say, I don't want to see that. Because that is exactly what happened to Christ. He really went through that. It says they scourged Him. Now what they would have done, they would have taken a post and they would have tied His hands up and they would have made Him kneel down and there would have been two Roman soldiers. And these guys were not wimps, okay? These guys would, were, you know, like military or police officers. And they would take these uh, whips that that had a handle and had these uh, uh, leather straps that came out of it. There would have been pottery, broken pottery. There would have been rocks that would have been put inside of those straps. And those men would have alternated coming across Christ's back with those straps. You can only imagine, can't you? You can only imagine what was happening that those, that those, that those broken pieces of pottery and, 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 uh, and, and rocks that they were using would have torn into Christ's skin. 
and, and, and really ripped his body apart to the point that the many times when that happened, the organs would begin coming out. And again, I don't, I'm not trying to be unnecessarily gory, but just to kind of paint the picture that Christ died for us. He was scourged. And scourging was for the point of, we don't want to kill you. We want to torture you as much as possible and leave you right there where you won't die. So we're going to finish you off with the cross. Tonight, when you came in the service, did you get a, did you get a nail tonight when you came in? Okay, I want you just to hold on to that as we're talking about the cross right now. Because like I said, I thought, you know what, I'm not sure if I can put those images on the screen. I just didn't feel like that's, that's, what, that's what I need to do tonight. But I wanted to give you that nail just to, just, to, just to touch the reality. That there was something like that. That after Jesus went through that, that he was tied down and he was beaten by these, these uh, big military men. That after that, they, t- they take him and they take nails. And not just nails like you're looking at. They took spikes. And drove those through his hands and through his feet. Do you know what's interesting to me? We need to realize that, don't we? We need to have somewhat of a picture, somewhat of an image of that. But listen, and I don't mean to minimize whatsoever, but I, but I want to just kind of take it a step further. Thousands, even tens of thousands of people died on crosses. On Roman crosses. Now certainly we, we should say... God should not have had to do that, right? God, of all people, Christ, who had done nothing wrong, should not have had, even if other people had, there's no minimizing that. But I want to say this to you, as bad as that was, that's just a visual representation, really, of how bad this was. But something much more serious than that was the spiritual part. And I never realized this until a few years ago. I mean, I should have, but I just began to think of Christ on the cross he became the lightning rod of God's judgment. Listen, friends. You say, we don't like it that God is a judge. Well, it is uncomfortable, that picture, but it's a good thing that God doesn't let bad things go. Would you agree with that? That's a good thing, okay? And so the Bible says that because of God's righteousness, He must deal with wrongdoing. But here's the dilemma. If He deals with wrongdoing, He has to deal with me. And he doesn't want to deal with me like that. He wants me to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. And so what he said is, this is my requirement, and so I will fill it. The only one that could and the only one that would gave his life. He stood in my place. In that moment, not just mine though, but the Bible says he died. He paid. Can you imagine? Listen, friend, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can barely get a breath with my life. Amen? So do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're going under? <laughs> do you ever feel like you're out in the ocean and just one more big wave and it caps over what's going to happen? I'm a goner. Do you ever feel like that? Okay. Well, the Bible says that Christ took what I have felt, but He also took all of yours as well. When I began to realize that, it made me love Him all the more. Amen? This is why we have set aside Easter. It is a time. Don't we honor people who who died in our place? Don't we honor people who say, you know, there's no greater love, the Bible says, that can be shown that someone would lay down his life for his friends, and that is what Christ did for us. The one who paid the ultimate price for everybody, physically and spiritually. What does that say about God's love for you? What does that mean for my life? I believe... 
It compels us to receive His offer and to live our lives for Him. Amen? And there can be no doubt when you look at the cross, never again, never study the cross. If you wonder if Christ cares for you, study the cross and you can say, there is no doubt. Nobody ever did anything like that for me. God cares for us. But secondly, the resurrection tells us that God is able. Uh-oh, I need some of those sound effects of, of thunder. Amen? God is able. I don't think we can really understand the power of the resurrection, the impact that they had until we begin in our mind. Isn't it difficult because we're separated from all these years? But just ask God to help you tonight to walk those dusty roads, okay? And to actually stand there at the foot of the cross. Can you imagine, listen, Friday happened... For them, they still didn't know. We know, don't we? We're going to tell the people of Mars that we learned. It's a secret. He's gone, right? He's not there. But they didn't know that. Can you imagine how devastating it was? How confusing it was. How scary it was. What does this mean? I guess it's all over. What are we going to do now? Have you ever hit a dead end in your life? Actually, maybe I should say it like this. Have you ever hit a death end in your life? Have you ever gotten to a point in your life where you say to yourself, it's over. It's over for me. This is the end of the road. That dream is gone. That, those choices that I've been making that I knew were adding up, they finally caught up with me. There's no more chances in this relationship. It is Gone. There's no more opportunity for things to be made right. Over the last year, as I faced some struggles in my own life, the Lord showed me a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Listen to this. Paul said, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. What does that mean? He said, We we had we had the death sentence on us. We knew it's already written across our lives. We are not going to make it. There was no question that we were goners. Have you ever felt like that before? There's no hope. There's no, this is it. I'm in the corner. I've escaped many times. But this one, it's over. I'm gone. Listen to what Paul said. We had that feeling within ourselves. Listen, why? So that we would not trust in ourselves... I'm going to get excited about this, okay? But in God who raises the dead. Listen to this. When you are almost gone, and actually this, you could actually be gone. Doesn't that tell you how little effort it is on your part? It's not gone. I mean, it's not almost gone because that's where I've been, right? I'm not gone yet because I'm still here, right? I mean, I'm getting deep and profound, all right? I'm not gone yet, but I got close. But even if I was gone, God has the ability to raise people and things from the dead. Wow! Amen? Do you know anybody else like that? Let's look at what happened here in the Easter story. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 8. Now again, remember, they didn't know this. Now after the Sabbath would have been today to them. So tomorrow morning, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Can you imagine what that was like? Honestly, I can't. I try, but I can't. The only thing that I can sort of come close to is we're at a funeral. It's over. I mean, my loved one's gone. And all of a sudden, the person sits up and says, what's going on? (laughs) I don't even know what to say about that. Amen? I mean, after I pass out, and you get some smelling sauce, you know, or whatever... Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. My loved one, my friend is still here. Yes. Yes. Hugs, dancing, yelling. Amen. Clapping, crying. Can you imagine? And listen, it's bigger than my friend is alive. How important is the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Have you ever heard of a linchpin? You ever heard of that? That this is the linchpin of a story. You ever heard that before? Well, it's, the idea is that, you know, if you're driving a trailer or if you've got um, a wagon that you're pulling or maybe like a boat or something, there you can see the image up there. That, that's something like uh, that you would take to kind of make the connection, right? To secure it. So the linchpin, if it comes out, what happens? It falls apart, doesn't it? Okay, you ever see on your snowblower, you know, on the wheel, there's a little pin there. Keep the wheels from coming off, okay? So the linchpin, it's nice when you're snowballing for that to stay together. Well, that's exactly what a linchpin means. Well, listen, the resurrection is the linchpin of God's story. If there is no resurrection, there is no real story. The wheels come off. If God doesn't come through at the grave, there is no hope. For us to trust in Him. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. You read the part on the screen that's underlined. It says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. That's a strong statement, isn't it? If Jesus Christ was not resurrected, go home. It is a waste of time. You are what? Still... Currently, nothing has changed. If Christ hasn't risen, you're still in your sin. Then those also who've fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished. They're just gone. There's no hope for them. If we have hoped in Christ, in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Listen, young person. You're going to have a teacher one day. You're going to have a teacher that's going to say to you, that Jesus rising from the dead stuff, that resurrection stuff, that, that's just, I'm sorry to tell you, but I'm Dr. So-and-so, and I know more than you. I'm sorry to tell you that that's not true, but it's okay. It's okay. You can still follow those morals and those kind of things and live your life. It's okay to sort of follow, but, but I just want you to know that that resurrection thing, Jesus didn't do that, but it doesn't matter. That's not true. 
Without the resurrection, we have no hope. But wait, the good news is, Christ is risen from the dead. What does that mean? That means that God is able. God is able. Listen, what does that mean? Romans 6 verses 8 through 9 says that death, nothing is master over Christ. Nothing can defeat Christ. Nothing can destroy Him. So listen, when you are, and the Bible talks about this, in Christ, nothing can destroy you. Amen? Isn't that good news? I am victorious in Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do, and actually, maybe a better translation is, I have the ability, I am able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's an understatement, amen? You say, I can't do it. You can't if God calls you to. You can't if God empowers you to because there is nothing that you will face in this life. Please, somebody, get a little excited. Amen? There is nothing you will face forever. What, how's that on an insurance policy? I mean, I'm always worried. You know, what's the bot? What's the say down there? You know, not just copyright, but the rest of this stuff doesn't matter. You know, there's always a hitch, isn't there? But with Christ in all of eternity, you are safe and secure from any danger or harm. No matter what comes in your life. A financial crisis? Are you, scared about, are you scared about the economy? I mean, we should be concerned about it, amen? I'm concerned about my kids' future, but I'm not afraid. I'm not shaken to the core because I'm not serving the dollar. I'm not serving our government. It, what about the loss of a loved one? What about the death of a dream? What about the loss of a relationship? What about the loss of physical health? We get beaten sometimes, but we're going to get back up again. We will never in Christ, because of the resurrection, you can know 100% that you will never go down for the count. God is able. That's what the resurrection says. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. The resurrection. There is nobody. There is nobody. There is no other plan. There is no other person. There is no other program. There is no other organization that can give you that confidence and that hope tonight. It is only through Christ. The resurrection tells us that God is able. But the last thing is this. The ascension tells us that God is issuing a call to us. The Bible says, and many people don't realize that there's, there's more to the story after the cross and after the resurrection the Bible tells us that some things happen, and I want to read that to you out of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Now, this is Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and so this is kind of Luke part 2, okay, so that's why it begins it this way. He says, the first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach, that was his Gospel, until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given order to the apostles, orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. So Christ was with his disciples for 40 days after he rose from the dead. And it says he was speaking to them of the things concerning the kingdom of God. 
Now in verse 4, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, you will be immersed, saturated with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times and the epochs which the Father has set by his own authority. Don't worry so much about how it's all going to play out. Now, the Bible does teach us some things that we can anticipate, but don't get so caught up in those details. He says, but this, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, where they were, and in all Judea and Samaria, the surrounding areas, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And after he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. You've seen this depicted before, haven't you? And a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? <laughs> like, just, you know, move on. You know, stop loitering. Okay. Why are you standing here looking up in the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. What I want to focus on is this. After Christ rose from the dead, he spent 40 days with those disciples before his ascension is what we call it. Before he went back to heaven with the Father. And before he leaves, we see him in these verses. There's three main things he does. It's very clear. It says there in uh, verse uh, 3, it says he was spending time with them. He was teaching them some things. And then it sounds like he was giving them some homework, kids. Amen? He was giving them an assignment. He was giving them a mission. John 20, verse 21, he says, As the Father sent me, so now I am also doing what? I am sending you. I believe that's exactly what God is calling us to as His followers here today. After we realize the love that He has for us, that was displayed, that God cares for us, after we begin to understand that, we realize that God has the ability to forgive us and to cleanse us and to give us eternal life and we put our trust in Him and we receive that gift. There's three things that God wants us to experience. He wants us to walk with Him daily. He wants us to receive the teaching as He uh, helps us to understand more and more what God's purpose is for our lives. And then He wants to use our lives to make a difference in this world. For us to serve other people. For us to share the good news about Christ. Now you can say, say that all kinds of different ways. At New Hope, you may notice in our worship guide, we call that worship, grow, serve. That's just in a nutshell. This is what God has called us to be about as His disciples. Spend time with Him. To receive from Him ourselves. And then to pour out in the lives of others. That's what you're here for. If you're a child of God, that's what God is calling us. That's what Easter is about. Easter is God saying to you, okay, I finished my part of the work in that sense, Christ did. I'm going back to heaven. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to send my spirit to live in you. And I don't know all the reasons for this, but for some reason God chose to finish out that work through you and me. And so the question is this. God is calling you. Are you right now as a follower of Jesus, do you spend time with your Lord? Do you receive from Him? Do you allow Him 
Do you come into his presence? Do you walk with him? I, I love the way that it's worded there in the gospel. I, I'm so thankful that Jesus came into this world, amen? Because we can see him as a real person. He went fishing, he cooked a meal, he spent time, they went on walks, they prayed together. You can just see the, the, the relationship part of that. Do you have, are you nurturing, are you taking advantage of the opportunity that you've been given as a child of God to walk with God daily? Do you have that close personal relationship? Are you growing? In Christ. Are you allowing Him? Listen, are you closer to God today than you were this time last year? Okay, just, that's just between you and the Lord. But have you grown in your understanding of who He is? And not just that, because a lot of, kids, a lot of Christians like to stop at the reading part, at the receiving the information part. But not just that, are you growing in your living it out? Amen? Are you growing it? I didn't hear amen on that one. <laughs> that one's a little bit harder, right? It's easier to read than it is to live. And then are you sharing? Jesus gave us an assignment. He said, listen, I did, I did the work. I, I made it possible. And now I'm leaving you to spread the message. Are you making a difference in the kingdom of God? When Christ comes back, listen, are there going to be more people in heaven because you walked on this planet? Are there going to be more people that one day... What a joy. The greatest joy in life, besides leading people to Christ, is helping people grow in, in what God's given them to be and to do. Amen? Are you helping people? Are there people that you can identify right now who are growing, who are getting closer to Jesus because you are engaging them with what God's given to you? That's what Easter is all about. It's not just us receiving. There's a lot of us receiving. Amen? There's a lot of good receiving part. Thank God He cares about me. Thank God He's able to change my life. But now God's saying, okay, now that I've worked in your life, get out of here. What are you doing standing around? Quit looking up into heaven. Quit sitting in this service. We're dismissed. Go change the world, amen? Go, go let me work through your life. Many of our holidays have spiritual meanings like this. And a lot of times we've taken... Fun things, you know, we, we like to do fun. I like fun. Ask my kids. I like fun. We have fun in my house. All right? So it's fun to do some of those things that we do. But you know what? Sometimes all that can sort of, after a while, sort of take over, can it? We forget what it's all about. You know, Easter's dangerously close to being forgotten, isn't it? I mean, the real meaning. We hunt eggs, and we do the basket, and we get some candy, and we get a new dress, or, you know whatever, we go spend some time with family, we cook some special meals, there's some special symbols involved, all those kind of things. Friend, tonight, it's really about the three things we taught. It's about the cross. God cares about you. Do you realize that tonight? God loves you so much. The Bible says, but God demonstrated His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Not when I came to Him, He said, I'll be your Savior. He gave me the opportunity before I even wanted it. Even knew I needed it. God cares for us. He'd pay the ultimate price for you. Are you here tonight? You say, you know, I enjoy Easter. It's one of my favorite holidays. Lots of different, but I never have truly understood what Christ gave for me. Tonight I want to give my life to Him. That'd be awesome.
What a great day. What, what a great story in your life that I gave my life to Jesus. Resurrection weekend, 2014. Many of us Christians, we've given our life to Christ, but we're pretty beaten up. The world's rough. It's rough. I'm ready to go, amen? If we're loading up a bus, a bus to go to heaven, I'd say, I'm driving, right? <laughs> or, I'm at least going to sit up front with Jesus. I'm ready to go, all right? us believers tonight, we're kind of defeated. But each try to remind us we are, as Mandisa says, I'm an overcomer. Amen. I ain't going to start singing. But I could. There's nothing that I can face in my life that can swallow me up because I am safe in the hand of God. The Bible says that we can't perish. No, no one, nothing can snatch us out of His hand. Morning, would you rest in that child of God? Would you ask the Lord, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've been receiving so much. My whole life even. I've been a Christian for 15 years. Or I've been a Christian for six months. And it's all been about me. But God, there's something in my heart that says, I'm not supposed to be keeping this to myself. Somehow, some way, I don't know how. It's going to be unique to me because I'm not like you and I'm not like you. But God, would you use me to somehow let people know that there's hope. That God came for you. He can do for you what He's done for me. Aren't you glad Tony was willing to share his story? Might have changed somebody's life here tonight just because he got in front of a camera and allowed his life to be shown. Let's bow our heads before the Lord for just a moment. Father, we thank You so much that we have a church to be a part of. Many people don't have a church to go to. Many people don't have a church they feel comfortable going to. Maybe somebody's here tonight that feels that way, and I pray that they felt encouraged, they found hope, they found the healing that is found in you, Lord. God, I'm just going to let you apply the message. It's your message. Whatever you want to in our hearts tonight. I feel kind of uncomfortable being quiet before God because maybe it's been a while since you have. Would you just allow Him to come and meet you there? If you need to receive Christ as your Savior, would you just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I give my life to you. Thank you for saving me tonight. Heavenly Father, we could never in all of eternity thank you enough. But I pray our response is a good step in that direction. We love you. We worship you for who you are and what you've done in Jesus' name.